You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about Rockabilia.com. I know you guys know Rockabilia. You've seen those ads with all the colorful t-shirts for all those bands. I know for me, it was a big deal growing up in Alaska, back in the woods where there was no internet, and we'd get those magazines at the store, and I would do two things. First, I would go to Rockabilia, that big full-page colorful ad, and find the coolest t-shirt I could find, the band that looked the most badass. Then I would go to the page in, and I would look at BMG for the five or ten CDs for a penny, and I would go through and try to find those bands, make that connection, and order those records, and a lot of those bands ended up changing my entire life. Now, before the internet, you could always go on and look in those magazines and see those shirts, but now it's all online, rockabilia.com. Great rates on shipping, the same great merchandise, the same amazing bands, and it's a lot easier to go check those bands out. For me, it was partially discovery, and partially, you know, just becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, going through and finding those bands. So one hilarious story for Rockabilia was I got my first white zombie t-shirt through Rockabilia. It was the black and white t-shirt with the band on it. All my friends started making fun of me for wearing that shirt because they were getting into punk rock and I was still into metal. Now, I never got out of metal, but Rockabilia was there after the, the hazing got too much And I went and ordered my first Green Day shirt from Rockabilia, which in turn started off my entire musical career going from playing Green Day covers back in the trailer in Alaska in the woods to the stages of the world playing with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man. And Rockabilia had a big part in that. I know it will for you as well. I know it still does. It's nostalgic. But at the same time, they've been keeping up with the times online, rockabilia.com. Check them out now and have your own discovery.
What's going on, guys? Welcome to another week of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. We are back again with week two of The Used, the second week of 2018. We had Burt McCracken last week. This week, we have the one and only Justin Shikoski from The Used, also from Seosin. Uh, I know you know Justin from Seosin as well as now being in The Used as the guitar player. Uh, he replaced Quinn when Quinn left the band, and we talk a lot about the story of Seosin, uh, the story of how he got into The Used. Uh, my old band, Anatomy of a Ghost, took Seosin out on their first tour with The Bled and Boys Night Out. And that was uh, definitely an interesting time for all of us, uh, just coming you know, into our own. We had just started touring really heavy, started picking up momentum, and uh, we had backed out of a East Coast tour to, or at least postponed it a bit, to take Seosin out. Uh, we talk about all that on the episode. Uh, but what a great group of guys, and you know, Justin and I had, had not spoken in a long time, and... and when I walked onto the bus uh, to interview Bert, he was standing right there, and and it was like no time had passed at all. <laughs> and uh, so he was there for the Bert interview and and chimed in a little bit here and there. But I wanted to make sure we got Justin a full episode to tell his story. And and uh, he's just such an interesting dude, and he does so many cool things, and just a fascinating life this guy has. And and I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode a lot. Um, I had a great time recording it. It wasn't in person. It was over the phone since they were already back home for the holiday break. Uh, we didn't have have time to to take care of it on the bus in person like Bert's, but uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Um, and I keep repeating myself, but <laughs> it's because I'm excited. Um, I I'm, I'm love it when I get to have old friends on the show um, and just, you know, catch up. That's what this whole thing is, is about in, in some aspects. So, um, Let's get some business out of the way first, then we'll get into this thing. Uh, we are at purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us anywhere. Podcasts are available. We're on all of our social media. And uh, purepleasurepodcast.com is the best place to go because it has all the information. If you subscribe to that RSS feed or the blog or anything like that, you're going to get all the updates. Um, and, and that goes for iTunes as well. Hit that subscribe button. You won't miss an episode. Um, you know, and if it's something you're not into, just pass it up, but definitely subscribe. So you, you know, effortlessly get one delivered to you every week and you, that way you can decide whether you like it or not. And I encourage you to take a chance on some of these episodes. If it's someone you've never heard of, or, uh, you know, maybe a band you're not familiar with or not into check it out. Cause a lot of these conversations go elsewhere and you know, it's not always just about, you know, Hey, how's the new record coming along? Blah, blah, blah. A lot of times we dig into deeper issues and, and things people are into. So definitely check out something you haven't heard yet. If you're going back through the back catalog, if you're just joining us, you know, we're over a year in now. I have a lot of episodes to go through. And uh, I think there's something in there for everybody. And I, I mean, I love doing that with podcasts as well. Scrolling back through the back catalog and like, holy shit, you know, they interviewed who? So there's definitely a lot of those moments on this show. And, you know, we love having you guys back week after week. The feedback's been great, and all the support has been awesome. The the guest ideas, and I'm working on a few of those now that just came in last week, uh, trying to get those booked. And uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks. 
You know, I say that all the time, but, you know, I'm excited. I, I really like how this show's coming together, and, and uh, I think we've got a good system going, and, and you guys know what to expect, and, and having a great listenership and a, and a broad listenership is really important, and uh, Adobe Radio has really helped with that, putting the show out uh, week after week to a lot more people, um, and, and really, you know, a worldwide audience uh, looking through the stats and seeing in some of the smallest countries, you know, even Tasmania. We have people that listen to the show in Tasmania, um, Egypt, I mean, everywhere. And I know a lot of it may be soldiers overseas, um, you know, deployed in some of these countries that are that are listening to the show and, and listening to their, you know, favorite bands or, or musicians they like. And, and uh, you know, if you guys are out there listening to the show, drop us a line. We're really appreciative of what you're doing for us and, and – uh, you know, everyone be safe out there. Um, that's just a little side note. I was thinking about that today. Just you think about who listens to these shows. And, you know, it's not about how many people listen to it, but who listens to it, who it affects. And, and you'd be surprised, um, you know, in the range of emails we get. And, and uh, just love having you guys. Really appreciate having the listenership. So, um, and you know, on that note, all my listeners out there, definitely check out rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com has been supporting the network and the show. They took a huge jump and uh, put, you know, put money across all the shows on the network, um, including this one. And if you're into, you know, picking up some new merch, I know there's a lot of gift cards floating around, Visa gift cards floating around from Christmas. Check out rockabilia.com. And uh, order yourself something nice. It's all licensed material, and you know you're not gonna have a band get on there and see like, what the hell is this? We didn't approve this. It's all licensed material. Uh, they've got everything from coffee mugs to slip mats to shirts, hoodies. I mean, everything is the real deal. It's not the the knockoffs that you can find on a lot of these websites. Super cheap, uh, and their prices are fantastic. And they've been around forever. They've been in the game a long time. So it's someone you can trust, and it's someone we trust. You know, not just because they're a sponsor, but we've all had you know, a long-standing relationship with Rockabilia, you know, whether it be, you know, on the back of a magazine or discovering them online. So check out rockabilia.com. Fantastic, fantastic people. Uh, if you're in the Portland area and you can also get it online, Stumptown Coffee is supporting the show as well. Uh, big thank you to Stumptown Coffee here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I know I've talked about it with a couple bands on the show where they come to Portland and they're looking forward to that Stumptown Coffee. Um, you can order it online as well. And they have delivery service, just a fantastic company, and they're into the show. So really appreciate having them on board. Um, so business out of the way, thank yous out of the way. You guys are amazing. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, let's get into my conversation with Justin Shikoski from The Used.
you're staying safe down there, the whole fire situation. How far are you from that? Well, there's a bunch of fires. So there's one, and the closest one to me, I believe, is in Fallbrook. It's a bit south of me. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, kind of, uh, it all depends on which way the winds are going. But still, I mean, the, the fire department is so good at kind of keeping everything away from, um, you know, structures. There's just so much wild area out where I live, you know, there's so many canyons and mountains and, um, kind of stuff like that, that, um, really is kind of at danger and there's no way to get water to those areas. So that's why the, the fires, when they get to those wild ish areas, it's always kind of, uh, a crazy situation. Oh my God. We just had the same kind of thing up here in the gorge, man. It was crazy. Some kid lighting off fireworks or something and throwing them out of a van or something like that, and it literally burned the gorge down. It was insane. Absolutely insane. Wow. Funny enough story that happened to We did that exact uh, when uh, I was in Sayosin on our second tour with Story of the Year. We did that exact same thing. Uh, (laughs) Anthony and I I were shooting fireworks. Um, Actually, I guess everyone, like, both we got a bunch of fireworks at like the previous stop so we started lighting a bunch in the van like the first night with story of the year and uh like shooting them back towards story of the year's van um yeah yeah it was uh it was crazy but uh yeah that was a really fun tour (laughs) you didn't manage to burn the forest down though that's the that's the the more no luckily it was in yeah, luckily it was in a rather flat area, um, so uh, it was only a small area that burned. <laughs> but um, but it was uh, yeah, no no one was hurt, no no nothing burned down that was of any significance. It was just an empty field, <laughs> so uh, could have been much worse. Yeah, could have been much worse. But. Dude, see, we never did the firework thing. We never we never. We never did that. We did burn our guitar tech's pubes off in the desert, though, and chanted, burn the forest down. He was, a, he was a hairy motherfucker. And we literally got him to, like, down his pants enough to burn his pubes off in the darkness of the of the desert. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. The things you do on tour, right? Jesus. What's that? Christ. I said the things you do on tour. Yeah, no shit. It's, yeah. Uh... It's a, it's a fun time. <laughs> oh. Well, Justin Shikoski, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my man. I, I know we already started a little bit, which I like to do anyways, but wanted to give you a formal introduction and welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Justin is uh, playing guitar in the used right now and uh, was also in Seosin, and that's how you and I met way back in the early 2000s on the first little run <laughs> with, with Seosin and uh, Boys Night Out and... The bled, I think. Man, I don't yep, remember. That was it. And uh, yeah, that that was literally Sayosin's first tour ever. Oh, that was insane. And this this uh, the, the people already have heard you a little bit on the the last episode <laughs> when we ran into each other uh, when when you were up here with the used a few days ago, and and uh, we had talked about you know that that first run, how it kind of came to be, and and. Uh, how rich from RX Bandits passed us off your um, your guys' demo for Seosin, and and we had heard it, and then uh, the rest was history, man. It was crazy. Things just started to blow up, and and uh, 
God, it just seemed crazy. I mean, we were hearing about it all over the country. You know, it, it, right. We had the demo in the van and we were listening to it. But the fact that everyone else heard it so fast, I mean, that was still right when the Internet was starting to get big and MP3.com and and all that stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, it was it was an interesting thing. I mean, like we um, that was kind of the first like memory I have of like making a website. I remember Bo and I um, were like kind of photoshopping uh, like silhouettes of each one of us. And we actually, we didn't have like full band members. We only had, it was just Bo and I, and uh, we had um, one other guy that played bass originally that wrote, uh, we wrote a couple of songs with and he kind of played bass on some of the very early demos. Um, And well, actually, no, he was on the first, uh, he was on translating the name. And, um, so we didn't have two other members, so we like took our uh, silhouettes and reversed them, and put two more members in there, so it looked like there's an entire band of people. So, um, and then we, you know, we put out those songs. We put out translating the name kind of online, and just kind of put them out there as demos, almost. I mean, it was such an early EP. It was such a thrown together thing. Um, we had all the music written and recorded, and then we had Anthony sing, um, sing over the, over those demos, and then even like I think we got them mixed and mastered, and even to, to the night before we got them uh, mixed, uh, I re-recorded. We got this really great guitar uh, amp that was kind of a modded. It was a modded uh, rectifier um, that our friend modded, and it sounded incredible. So. We were like, fuck, let's redo all the guitars. So I redid all the guitars in one night. We stayed up all night. And then um, we put it into mixing and then put it out. And it wasn't really like a thought-out thing. So uh, I don't know. As cliche as the word organic is, I think that was kind of how that whole thing came about. I, you know, I have no idea how you got in the demo or how the RX Bandits guys got in the demo or, you know, who knows. But... Um, yeah, it's just cool that people liked it. Absolutely, it was it was insane. I, I remember mentioning it to you because we were literally in California, and we we're in California. We're there for you know four or five days playing shows wherever, and we were at the Cobalt Cafe, loading in in the back alley where uh, it'd be a super sketchy area. And Rich gave us that demo, and I yeah, no idea how he got it, and we put it in the van and listened to it that night on the on the drive, and and we're like, this is this is going to be huge. Like, this is insane. And I think it was a mix of the, the, I mean, the sound for one, the production was great for, I mean, for a demo, it was really, really good sounding. And, and, uh, that was our first thing. And then we're like, Jesus, the drums are insane. And he had told us, you know, who that, you know, and, uh, now it seems like I've heard some demos from bands up here in Portland that are local that I know their drummers are not that good. And it's all programmed drums. And it makes them sound like, you know, any any number of bands that are absolutely ridiculously good. And it, but this in this case, I mean, these drums were real. The songs are real. I mean, and and I remember having Anthony on the show a while back, and I think he mentioned something about like seven years. He had recorded a bunch of vocals to all these different parts, and then Bo kind of pieced it together, like made a song out of a bunch of stuff. Was or is that was that correct, or was that? maybe a memory that wasn't entirely true. 
No, that's actually exactly what happened. Like we, um, I remember it was just Bo, me, and Anthony in um, in Bo's garage. It was Bo's parents' garage, and uh-huh. it was just basically a room, room built within a room. And um, yeah, like we just had Anthony. Anthony came out for like I believe like five days or four days, not very long. And um, we just again stayed up all night hanging out, and uh, he would sing something and. He would say, oh, that's cool, you know, but sing it again. And then he would, he would just put down all of these ideas. And we kind of, when he was here, it was kind of more of uh, just getting, um, getting information, getting stuff recorded. And then um, afterwards, yeah, you're right. Bo is in, uh, incredible at, um, at the craft of, you know, uh, producing on a computer. Like he, he really is um, proficient at that. I mean, that, that was one of the things in the beginning that always amazed me about him. He was um, just so fast. Uh, we were like, I, he was, we were a great team because um, I felt like I, that was my shortcoming. Like I, I'm not very good at remembering what I play or uh, consolidating ideas. Um, as far as back then, I just never had the patience for it. Um and, and Bo was so good at doing that quickly. So I would be on guitar and we would be able to get ideas down very quickly and, um, and be creative because he could just get stuff down. And that's kind of the way he was with Anthony. Um, Anthony just was kind of spitting out all of these ideas and Bo kind of was able to get them down. And then, um, yeah, we kind of put together the song after, uh, after the fact. Um, but I have to give it to Anthony, like the, um, original there's a, a version of seven years and a version of translating the name that are demo versions and um demo meaning we just sent him the the instrumentals that Bo and i wrote and then he did vocals over them uh-huh. uh so he uh and when they came back when we heard them it was basically what you know decided that we were gonna do a band with anthony um, we heard these two songs and they blew us away. Um, there were, a, there was a lot of information there as far as like vocal ideas. There was background vocals and kind of, uh, counterpart like lines happening over each other, but it was beautiful. It was really, really good. And, um, so if you listen to seven years, the demo isn't too far from what it ended up being. Um, but if you listen to translating the name, it's much different than it ended up being. So, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was this crazy mix of, of, uh, just kind of getting a bunch of information and then making it kind of work. And then what you said about drumming is completely like completely accurate. Like, um, nowadays when you hear stuff that's edited really heavily or you hear stuff that was just straight up done, uh, programmed in to a grid, um, it lacks kind of, I think the, the life that, um, listening back that translating the name record had uh, drums wise, you know, it, mm-hmm. um, it just had this crazy uh, realness to it because when we recorded it, um, we, you know, we're telling, we kind of did a number of takes for each song and we told Pat, um, Pat McGrath, the guy, the guy that drummed on that record, we told them like as each take progressed to kind of get crazier and crazier with the takes, you know, and by the end we're just like, dude, go off. And, <laughs> um, it was kind of neat in, in seven years, like, um, he and I are kind of super nerds musically and we, uh, we bonded over our love for a band called racer X, 
that Paul Gil- Paul Gilbert played guitar for. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> there's a song called Scarified that has this kind of double kick part that kind of has a triplet thing at the end of the uh, the measure. It's like a straight 16, then it has like a triplet. And uh, one of the takes, Pat did that, and he like looks over like right when he did it because he totally calls out terrified in seven years and it just made me laugh so hard and uh so you know he, he's just a really amazing guy who's able to kind of freely play like he's he's my definition of of what a master of an instrument is because he's able to just kind of play and and instantaneously he'll think of something and be able to do it without having to think about it really you know it's 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 seamless it's like how we talk you know we're just kind of jamming and we're kind of improvising as we talk but it's the same way with him there's no kind of filter between him and the drums so it's uh it was a really cool experience that's amazing dude and and i mean the the hype around that that ep too i mean i mean we were still in california and dry i don't know how it got passed around so fast i mean maybe we got it late i don't know but we're so we're familiar we've been playing it was basically didn't leave the cd player for a while and uh we were at an in and out burger and this dude in like this jacked up toyota truck with the windows down was blaring the shit out of it in in and out and i was like what this isn't even out like what's going on and uh that's when everything i mean that's when we started to just hear it all the time like we just hear everyone and then everyone wanted to to it was like this mysterious thing because we hadn't met you guys yet, and everyone's talking about the name. Like, no, it's not Seosin, it's Seocean. And, like, everyone had, like, these little things with, like, it, it was, like, this weird ownership. Like, no, you're completely wrong. That's not how it's pronounced. And and little things like that or, or all these little tidbits. And I was like, dude, I've never even seen these guys yet. <laughs> like, the first show hasn't even happened, you know? Like, and that's when we got the call for that, that run of shows where we were going to go to the East coast and we postponed it because like, no, you guys need to go out with, with sales and like, let's do this. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that, yeah, from then on, it was like, you know, getting to see it live was a whole nother experience. And that's when, you know, that's when I noticed immediately that you guys could fucking play too. Like this was not some computer generated, thing like it you guys are actually players and great players at that and uh oh, you know man. that came Thanks, through man. the years too like like years later the the next time i saw you guys with cove uh in portland that was i was actually working at the venue in between tours at the time so i actually was there for sound check and everything on the um everything early and you guys were just sitting kind of Indian style at the end of the stage. And we were joking about that, how you had those Hughes and Kettner amps that lit up and like, Oh God, this is serious. Like, and you guys were just jamming Metallica and I was like, Holy shit, these guys can like really play. And, uh, you know, and then through the years after seeing all these other things that you've done, I mean, of course it's obvious that you can play, but a lot of bands in that genre, I think kind of faked it and filled stuff in and, and kind of, you know, weren't actual players. And that was, oh, I think what also gave it that bit of specialness was, was the, the technique behind it, being able to formulate a plan, I think probably made it a lot easier on you guys to, to write and, and, and make that music. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, thank thank you. That was a lot of kind words. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, like and the funny part about those Susan Kettner amps, I still used, I used that thing on the new used record. Um, almost every song I used that Susan Kettner on a rhythm track or something or other. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Playing live was such a, like any band, like, you know, on those first tours, you're playing to no one and, or you're playing, I guess, more to each other, you know? And, uh, yeah, playing with Bo and, um, and Anthony and kind of developing, learning how to play live and just kind of letting go everything you have into the music is kind of what you learn early on. And, uh, I don't know. I was fortunate to, to have that experience so early on in my, in my, um, live music career that's insane actually i mean thinking about and, and but you guys have had and and this is still sales and like you guys had the weirdest like rise and career of any band i've ever known like the the circumstances where you know band is exploding singer quits and i wanted to know your guys' side of when anthony quit because i had colin and Anthony both on the show and Colin gave this like tear jerker. It was legitimately like I was ready to tear up. It was so beautiful how Anthony wanted to go home and basically said, dude, I, I, I have to come home and, and told the, the chick at the airport that he had, uh, you know, he made a mistake and he needed to turn around and she gave him a flight home for free and Colin picked him up from the airport and he was just like all in a, in a, just a bad spot. On your guys' end, when he calls or from Arizona or wherever he was and, and quit, what was that like? I mean, what did you guys go through at that point? Like, is the band over? Are we going to continue? What was that like for you guys on the Seosin side? Um, yeah, I mean, we were all, uh, I remember getting that call. We were all um, at Bo's studio or at Bo's parents' house. It was in the garage studio. And... Um, we didn't really know what to make of everything. You know what I mean? Like it was all kind of everything happened so fast. I mean, we certainly didn't feel like, I mean, we were, we felt like we were doing something right because, you know, we were able to tour and everything and, and we really loved what we were doing. We loved the the EP and we were really excited about everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we had a bunch of tours kind of booked. We had a work tour booked and, we had a bunch of stuff to do and um, we weren't really, we didn't really know what to think really. You know, we didn't really know if Anthony was really at uh, an airport, you know, we didn't know it was kind of really the shocking kind of moment. And um, I don't know. I think you're just so young that um, you don't know what is going to happen. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, for me, for me, that time was a very, uh, crazy time. Um, Anthony, a lot of people forget that Anthony was only in the band for, um, two tours, like not even a full year was yeah. he in the band for. Um, and, and we, and we only recorded six songs. Uh, and, you know, or was it six or five songs? Five songs. And then we did, a. uh, Two, we did like a Christmas song and we did a uh, one extra kind of demo, but there was such a limited amount of time that we were with Anthony. Um, but in that time was probably the most formative years of like my 
life because at the end of the second tour we did, um, so right after we did the tour with you guys and the bled and, um, and boys night out, we did a tour with, um, story of the year. And it wasn't even that long of a tour. It was on the, it was kind of on the East coast, uh, the Midwest, I guess, and the East coast. Mm -hmm. And during, during that tour, we played, um, New Jersey. And my father came out to a couple of the shows and, uh, in, I believe we were in Philadelphia and he came to two of the shows. And then the next morning he was flying home to his and I's apartment. And on the way home, he died in a car wreck. Um, so, you know, my life was incredibly changed, uh, kind of right around that point. That was September in 2003. And right after that is when Anthony quit, like maybe, uh, a, num a number of months after that happened, um, Anthony quit. So I had no idea what the fuck was going on with my life or, you know, music or nothing. You know, I was a kid that, had no idea what was going on. Um, so, so yeah, it was tough to look towards the future, I guess. It was just kind of like, all right, well, what do we do now? And, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, we took time off and we started looking for singers and kind of, and it was kind of a passive process in the beginning, I suppose. And we didn't, we definitely didn't want to like, we just kind of wanted something to happen. We didn't really like fight for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I started skydiving a lot during that time and, uh, yeah, just filled my time with music and, and skydiving and played nothing but guitar and, and, uh, you know, yeah, it was a crazy time. Did you skydive before that? Before that no, whole thing transpired? No. I mean, and I'm very sorry about your father. I mean, you had told me that, uh, on the bus a couple weeks ago and, uh, just broke my heart and I, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, and, uh, you know, my condolences there and, and it was the skydiving thing, something you did maybe to, to feel something or, or to, to, or maybe I, at the you point, know, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, looking back on it is like, uh, is a, you know, a special thing because you can actually like process what kind of gets you into things. And I suppose, like I wasn't, um, into, dude, I didn't even like roller coasters. Like I didn't, you know, I was not that type of guy. Uh -huh. And, um, and it wasn't even really my, it wasn't even really my, uh, choice to do it. It was, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to make a skydive. And I said, uh, no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and then like a week later, and I suppose I was thinking about my dad and I was like, dude, you know what? Like why, why not do stuff? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, so many things we do every day are so much more dangerous than most of the things. I mean, like I said, you know, my dad just died in a car wreck and all of us drive cars every day. Yep. And it, and, and we just are kind of okay with that risk. We don't even think about it yet. Um, when, you know, something like skydiving comes up where, uh, you know, it's far safer than driving a car. Uh, it, you know, it's just totally against your, uh, realm of perception. So, um, I decided to do it and, uh, we did a tandem. And then I think the next weekend I went back to start getting my license and yeah, I think it did. I think doing it made me feel closer 
to my dad. I was, I'm not uh, a religious person. I'm actually pretty, pretty against most, um, most ideologies and, and religious thinking. But, um, yeah, there's something about being all up, you know, up at 13,000 feet under a parachute and watching the sunset all by yourself with no airplane around you. You know, it's, it's just a crazy experience. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it could have been because of my, my dad's death or, or just uh, my lack of knowing what to do with my life, <laughs> you know. So, sure. um, but, you know, and, and the other thing is that the uh, skydiving community is really great. Um, it's, just, it's much like music. Um, the, it's a small community. Everyone knows each other. Everyone wants to help each other and wants to exchange information. You know, it's like I've never been on a tour and then not hung out with the other guitar player and like, you know, played, played riffs and exchanged what we understood about music and how we thought about music. And I mean, that's the best part of the music world. And it's the exact same way in the skydiving world. So, um, I don't know. I think that, I think I like that a lot also. So, um, so yeah, and then we found Cove, and then uh, you know you know that whole story. So yeah, that's well, that's fast. I think, and, and I'm not religious either. I'm very far from it, and and uh, you know raised in an LDS home, and and uh, I mean that'll start you anyone off on the wrong foot. But uh, oh yeah, I think I being you in, that. yeah, and and being but being what you described that being under a parachute, the sunset. I mean, I think it's almost like experiencing the most beautiful parts of the world almost reaffirm to us that, you know, this is natural. This is not something that was just dropped here in seven days. And I think that might be what gets, gets us closer to ones we've lost is taking in that, that intense beauty of the world around us in, in those situations, you know, where a lot of people will go to the woods and, and try to reconnect with someone they've lost, even though they're not spiritual, something about it in us, I think triggers that. And I think that might be something where when you're in that moment, it brings you close to your dad because everything else is kind of washed away and you can really think clearly. Um, and you have that adrenaline and everything else pumping, it's just kind of a, I mean, I was just picturing it as you were telling me that story and it's just this beautiful picture in my head and, and, uh, you yeah. know, you're weightless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you, that's a really great way of putting it though. Um, uh, beautiful words, my friend, but, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it, you know, w- once you get past the kind of beginning, um, you know, jumps of like, you know, skydiving and, and the fear part kind of, Subsides. I mean, it never is like you know. There's always an element of fear, which lends, which gives you the sense of safety. You you check your equipment and all this stuff. But once you kind of make peace with what you're doing, you're able to kind of let the experience happen to you and not it not be. Um, I, I suppose most people think of skydiving as like a point break type of guy yeah. that is like surfing for adrenaline, you know what I mean? And sure. just kind of, you know, and, and, you know, it's the exact opposite when you go to, uh, watch people skydive. It's, it's a lot of computer people and it's a lot of, 
you know, I mean, it, it's a lot of everyday people and, you know, they, they come down from the sky and you see they're, they're not jumping up and down and high five and, you know what I mean? They're just yeah. enjoying, they're just enjoying themselves. You'll see smiles on their face, but it's not like they're doing anything insane. You know what I mean? It's just, I suppose, just like music. It's like when people think of being in a band, they instantly think of, you know, girls backstage and partying and drinking and all this stuff that is just this weird, fictitious facade of what people think, you know? So yeah. it, I, I feel it's the same with skydiving and, um, and you, you, you get what I'm saying. It really is kind of the closest thing to spirituality. It's just like playing on stage and kind of losing yourself in it. Um, just being able to kind of immerse yourself in one experience. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, the transcendence piece. And I was going to ask you about that. I ask a lot of people that that are musicians, you know, how much of the stage show is muscle memory? How much is in the moment? Um, you know, and, and that feeling of, I mean, you guys have uh, right now with the used, especially a great white show and, and everything else to wear on stage. I know it looks a lot different on stage to, to the audience, but... I mean, getting lost in that moment. I mean, do you feel the same kind of connection? I mean, do you, do you, are there certain things that, that, uh, you know, bring you to that place, certain songs, or is it kind of, uh, at this point, more muscle memory? What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. 
You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, Tier 2 and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Well, it's changed with the used because, um, you know, 
with Samson, you know, of course, there was tons of moments that the night my dad passed away, we had a show in New Jersey, and I remember it like yesterday. Uh, so, I mean, I and I remember just kind of losing it during that show. Um, and, of course, throughout the growth of Seosin, numerous times it's hit me that what I'm doing is just unreal, you know, and, and, uh, and losing yourself in it is kind of the whole point. And uh, with the used for the last two years, I've been in the band almost three years now at the end of this month. And for the first two years, it was um, mainly, you know, it was me playing music that was already written. Mm -hmm. And and I tried to do as best I could at, you know, playing the parts. And, and, and you know, those, those records, those old records are very layered, you know. So I tried to do my best at covering as many of the guitar parts and, and noises and sounds as I could. And... Um, and a lot of those songs I already, you know, had an emotional connection with because I listened to the first record uh, like anyone else. And when Seosin came out, it was just on the heels of uh, the used yep. self-titled record. So um, I was able, you know, it, it was a different experience for me. But um, playing the new record on this last tour is uh, is completely different. Um, we've been playing this song called About You. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I, I mean, I was just talking to Bert about this uh, last night, uh, or no, two nights ago, and we were talking about how that song is just like, every time that song plays, I forget about where I am, I forget about being on stage, I forget about any image of myself, I forget about, you know what I mean? It really is, I suppose the song is so simple, you know what I mean? It's um, the way, you know, I mean, the, the, the way that song was written was... Um, like no other I've ever done. Um, so, I mean, it, it was really, it was really a special song. So I think that's, uh, you know, that happens every night. We've been playing that song every night on this tour. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's, man, you're in such an interesting position and, and I want to jump back to a little bit. And the one thing I'm not to, to, you know, tie off the Seosin story. Um, Everything, I mean, you guys released another record. Um, I remember seeing, like, you guys did some stuff at Hurley Studios and things like that, and then the record came out, and then every band, it seemed like every band that was coming up in the scene that we were in, their main influence was Seosin. Like, I remember going out with bands uh, later on that were just, like, worshiping the records, you know, and, like, and uh, they're like, you played with these guys? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, yeah, we did, you know, like, and, uh, it was, it was so interesting to see the influence that Seosin had. I mean, I mean, for one getting huge and then the influence, the far reaching influence of that band, but you released, you know, re two records with Cove, um, and then Cove was out and then the band kind of went off grid again. That's what was so weird about that band is it was like here and then gone and then here and then gone again. But when it comes back, it's just as huge as it was. And so that whole transition was strange for me uh, not being on the inside is Cove's gone, band's, you know, on hiatus again. And then Anthony comes back and then I see you're in the used. And it was this whole like weird trend. And then Phil from, from Asley Dying is playing for... Seosin. And I, I saw, I think I saw that before I saw that you were in the used and 
yes. the whole that whole transition is just boggling my mind. And what what happened there? Well, so let's see. We had um, we did two records. We did a record with Cove and um, uh, Howard Benson, the first kind of the Beatle self-titled record. Yes, um, the first full length. And that was done. I mean, we wrote that record. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was our record. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It was the first time we worked with a producer. It was the, you know, the first time we've done any of that stuff. And but it was us writing the music. And um, when we did the second record, um, I'm not sure if it was. I wasn't as much in communicate. The communication with Sayerson wasn't the best. Um, so. Um, we, I don't know if it was the label's idea or lack of enthusiasm with other band members or what, but something came up with us writing music with other people and doing co-writes. And then we did this, we did a Hurley thing where, uh, we had a video on us all the time inside, inside the studio. And I thought that was very, very strange. And, so that was a very strange record. Um, another thing happened where, like, I wrote a song on that record. Uh, not a bar of music was changed, and I wasn't credited for writing the, writing that song on the record um, because someone else helped uh, Cove write vocals, so vocal credits. So eventually, that whole record cycle was very strange to me, and um, we kind of saw Cove kind of lose interest in um, making live shows everything they could be. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, uh, had a bunch of time off and, but we, we still had music, you know, and a few years passed and, um, there was kind of always talk about Anthony maybe wanting to come back, you know, and we never knew if that would ever kind of come to fruition or not. And, um, you know, a, a couple of years would pass. We had music. Um, I, you know, we would hear that um, Chris, the bass player, would talk to Anthony and kind of have some communication with him, and he would express interest. And I heard, you know, I know Anthony went through things throughout those years, so I, I'm oh not sure God, what yeah. the reason was. Yeah, like I, I, I wasn't really sure what the reason was for us kind of, um, you know, waiting around. And uh, so we started doing a few shows. And the shows were excellent. The shows were amazing. Um, uh, we, you know, we did a surf and skate fest and we did a couple shows in Texas and we had a bunch of music written. Um, and we gave to Anthony and, uh, he gave it back to us and we were like, dude, this is incredible. Like we, we were really happy with the music. It felt to us like when the first record came out and, um, we got some interest from, uh, Epitaph. Mm-hmm. They came to a bunch of we. They came to basically all the LA shows that we played. Um, we played one in LA, one in uh, one in Orange County, and um, so we got kind of all this interest. And um, still, kind of not knowing if it was ever going to happen or not. I mean, you know, I have, uh, you know, we, we were talking about a deal since I think 2014. Mm-hmm. maybe 2000 no before that 2013 we were in communication with them and um so it took a number of years after that before we actually started playing shows and getting more interest and uh once we saw that the interest was there and we were getting kind of guarantees and um you know it became a bigger idea so um 
I get a call from the use manager and he asked me um, if I would be maybe interested in filling in for their guitar player. And, um, I've, you know, we've toured with those guys before and, you know, it was, uh, you know, we toured with them for a number of years actually. So I've known kind of the whole camp. So I said, of course. So I went in and kind of tried out, uh, for the used. They, they had, uh, I think they gave me their last set list and they said, learn a couple of the songs and then come in and we'll all jam. So I learned, I just learned the whole set. And I came in, jammed the whole set, and uh, they basically asked me if I wanted the gig. And it, at then that point, it was a temporary thing. It wasn't a permanent, you know, situation. So, you know, and the interesting thing was that Bo was the monitor guy for the used. He did monitors for a couple tours they did, as well as... Uh, well, I guess when they were rehearsing. So sure. he was there throughout that, um, that audition process. And, you know, he was, Bo was never more supportive. Um, I was so stoked to have him there and to have him, um, you know, to, to be able to call him after the rehearsal or the, after auditioning and then being like, Holy shit, you know, what did you think? You know what, you know, and he was just so supportive. So, um, so I went out did a couple tours with the used, and um, it turned into a permanent situation. About six months later, they were like, hey, you know, do you want to be in the band and, you know, be the guitar player? And they tour so kind of infrequently that I figured, and, and with the kind of plan that Sayosin had, the plan that Sayosin had was we were going to release this record with Anthony and maybe do a couple weeks of touring to support the record. Yeah. And that was kind of the deal with the, the record label. They were like, well, we'll release your record if you support it somewhat. So we weren't planning on touring fully, you know, doing a full tour or anything like that. So I figured it wouldn't be an issue, um, you know, especially with how supportive Bo was uh, with the whole use thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so when it turned into a permanent situation, I definitely got kind of a feeling of a vibe change with, um, with my Theos and brothers. Uh -huh. So, um, it came down to, there was kind of a weird situation where it came down to us. Uh, I think we had a, the used had a Australian and Asia tour. Okay. It was only like two weeks long. And, um, the sales and guys were like, Hey, you know, we want to sign this record deal. Um, you know, we want to get this done and uh, you're going to be in Asia while we want to sign the record deal. So can you sign a power of attorney so we can sign the record deal, you know, when, when you're in Asia. And to me that hit me really weird because we've waited years to sign this record deal. Yeah. There's like, there's no reason that another two weeks would change anything. Like literally years uh, we've been talking to Epitaph and, Yada, yada. So, um, so I was like, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable. I'll be back in a couple of weeks and, and that will be that. And then two days later, I get a call from Bo, uh, telling me, uh, that, uh, quote, they're going to go ahead without me. What? So, yeah. I and mean, it was the craziest call because it, Bo isn't the most like emotional guy. So it was super dry. And I was like, well, what the fuck, man? Like what? why you know yeah what, what the fuck and um 
it was maybe a five minute phone call. It was very, very short. And, uh, after about three days passed, I tried to call our bass player and he, I think he was busy with work or, or, or something else. But when I talked to him, I, uh, I was like, listen, do you think this would have happened if I wasn't doing the use thing? And he said a hundred percent no. So, uh, I don't know if it was just feelings that I was doing the used thing or if there was some other deep seated thing. Um, but it, I was blown away. I definitely didn't expect that. So, um, they signed the record deal, I believe like right after they quote, uh, kicked me out uh, or, or quote that, that phone call. And then, um, and then they deleted my guitar parts from that record and released it. So, uh, which I was bummed about because some of the cool, like I was so proud of, you know, the, the stuff I did on that, on that music. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was pretty bummed that, uh, it, people weren't able to hear it. Um, I still have the demos of it. Um, so I could hear it, but um, sure. no one else can hear it. Wow. So yeah. Uh, so it was a really strange strange thing to me um again like it, it's one of those all clouds have silver linings uh, because the experience of making this last record with the used albeit it took two years you know we did a year of touring on the imaginary enemy record and then we did a year of doing the 15 year anniversary tour uh-huh. before we started uh doing a record so um it took a while to actually start making new music with the used, but ever since, I mean, it's been a completely different situation from what Sayosin was. So, um, I'm really grateful that it, that it all worked out. Yeah. It's got to feel like a, um, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a crazy couple of years right there of, of things going down. And I mean, it makes a lot more sense to me now hearing it from you and, and you know, what happened during that time, but it seems like, all that. I mean, it doesn't seem like there was maybe a weight there to begin with, but that you maybe noticed, but I mean, maybe there was to where that weight's been lifted. Now you have one focus, you know, uh, you're not doing musical band, like, you know, I guess musical chairs in bands. Like you have one main focus to where, you know, Anthony has Circa and then trying to do Seosin. And then, I mean, those guys are probably, you know, seeing this might be our, you know, our shot to sign a deal maybe they thought things would go differently. I don't know. I, I can't even, I can't even really speculate on that, but it seems like with the used, I mean, for one, being a fan for so long, uh, I mean, playing those songs that you used to listen to and connect with for one already ties you to that back catalog, but then getting to be, I mean, the songwriter now in a band that you've loved that long in a band that's that, I mean, uh, he, I mean, they're huge. You guys are huge. I mean, and, and, uh, I, like I was saying in the bus, I was just so proud to see, I mean, just how happy you were. I mean, you just had this, this glow about you that was, that I don't ever remember seeing. And it was just like this, like, like when someone finds what they're supposed to do or are truly happy with who they are, you can see it, you know? And I felt that when we were sitting in the bus, I could just see it radiating off of you, you know, and how, how, uh, you know, and you were on that episode for a few minutes and that's why I wanted to do a full episode with you because hearing you talk about that experience, um, you know, recording the record, writing the songs, you know, uh, you know, being nervous about presenting that stuff to the band, having all these ideas, 
was just a fascinating thing and and seeing you light up like that was was really special i mean um you know and, and of course people couldn't see that you know listening to the audio but you know that really clued me in that like that you're where you're supposed to be you know what i mean and and uh hopefully you feel the same way but um i wanted to talk a little bit about how the canyon came to be you know you had a bunch of songs and parts you were working on and then how did it work transitioning into okay quinn's out i'm in it's on me now bringing that to the table because you guys are all in you said jeff lives in maui now and bert's in australia and and you're yeah. in california so of course the beauty of the internet throwing files back and forth but how did how did that record kind of formulate well it was interesting like i didn't know what um how things worked with the used um because as far as writing i have no idea um you know i didn't know if I, I just didn't know how it went. You know, I had one, I've been in one band my entire career. And that was the, the kind of the crazy thing about how the sales and thing went down because, uh, it was all I've done. You know, I've done a couple other music things, but, um, filled in with other bands and just helped out friends, but I've never been in, you know, in a band other than sales. so I was really not knowing what to expect with the used, um, so uh, I had I had a bunch of songs written and um, and you know I made a Dropbox with kind of some miscellaneous ideas that um, that I had uh, that and I guess the thing with Seosin, you know um, they were Chris and Bo were very competent with uh, computers you mm-hmm. know so all the demos they came up with sounded very you know, finished, they sounded very good. Um, so I've kind of had to, I've always been kind of, I don't know, just nervous about whether or not my demos sound any good or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I try to make them sound as decent as possible. So, um, and funny enough, a couple of those demos I showed, I showed the sales and guys and they were like, yeah, it just sounds like the used. (laughs) <laughs> and funny enough a couple of those songs ended up on the used record but um yeah about half of this song was uh just demos i had or or ideas that i came up with like on a looper um and then bert started singing over them or and then, and then the other half were from writing sessions so what we did twice we uh we all met in a rehearsal space. Uh, one of them first time was at Hurley at the, uh, recording studio they have. Uh-huh. And the second time was at this other tiny rehearsal space. And, um, and again, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, so, so we just got in there, hung out for a couple of days and we had about four hours a day. Of, we just pressed record and started recording us kind of messing around. And it would generally go, you know, just start playing a guitar riff like over and over again. I had the verse and chorus for, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember Dan being like, what is that? That's, that's cool. So he started just playing a straight beat over it. And, uh, and that was kind of that. So after having, like I had all of this material and, um, I started going through it on my computer and kind of cutting out the cool bits and the cool parts. And I started realizing that I wasn't able to, 
trying to edit anything together uh-huh. um, very easily. So I had all the guys come to my house. And the cool parts that I kind of cut up, I had us play to a click. So Dan would play on the drums, and Jeff and I would be playing, you know, straight into it. And then that way I could kind of actually make things into songs by moving parts around because it was all to a grid and a little bit easier to work with. So, um, so that's how the songs worked when we were in a, in a kind of writing session session situation. And, um, a couple of them were, uh, different, like, uh, the song rise up lights started with Jeff, Jeff spent a, um, a really long, I think it was like a five minute kind of bass jam and it was just kind of a bunch of riffs. And, uh, I kind of wrote chords over the riffs and kind of, you know, placed them into a song. And then uh, we ended up kind of cutting that up even more in pre-production and making a song out of it. Um, a couple other songs were really cool. Like we did a song called uh, that song about you. Uh-huh. It was fucking, it was such a, such a cool thing how that worked. Like we did a, I did a loop on, on a pedal. I love loopers and um, I layered a bunch of guitars and, before pre-production started, Bert came over and he did like a vocal demo session. We just picked all the songs he kind of dug and he put vocals over them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he put this vocal, this whole vocal thing down over this loop. And I erased the loop and I started writing a chord. I reharmonized chords underneath what he said, like his vocal melodies. So I actually wrote the song to his vocals and never done that before. Uh, so it, it was just a really cool thing. So, I mean, I don't know, this record came to be in a lot of different really cool ways. It's, and it's a fantastic record. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't sound, it, it it's a whole new thing for the use. Like it's a whole new departure from, from, you know, everything in the past. I mean, it, it, that's one thing I noticed right away because um, the first thing I heard was, you know, over and over again. And I was like, this is completely different, you know, and, and that it was exciting. Like it was like, this is really cool. And then, you know, delving further and further in. And and uh, I told you guys I listened to that episode of uh, Matt Pinfield that Bert did where he went like a like a deep dive into, you know, song after song. Kind of that's what Matt does pretty much is kind of goes through a record song by song and kind of interviews as he goes. And I was sitting at work with my headphones on listening to that and then clicking back to Spotify and listening to those songs again after hearing the explanation behind them and, and what went into them. And, and it was really kind of an immersive experience. And I feel like I got a, a much better grasp of the record from that. But I mean, it's, it's a great record. And, and, uh, I mean, like I said, it just seems like you're where you belong, you know, it's, uh, well, I, I mean, like Bert is so, um, he's such a good, uh, person to write music with. I mean, he's so, like I said, I would come to him with a song and he would write these beautiful melodies and and lyrics over it and connect, connect the vocals exactly to how I was feeling when writing the music. I mean, it was, it was a crazy, crazy thing to kind of experience. Um, he's really one of a kind I've never, I've never seen that happen before. Um, like I said, I've only had one experience with Seosin, but um, with Bert, it's it's just crazy. Um, I would love to do like a a kind of a same thing, uh, kind of a song by song thing, but talking about the music and kind of like how where I was thinking about with like the certain 
the cadences and the the stuff that we were trying to put in there musically because it was there was a lot of callbacks to artists we all like and a lot of uh, I mean basically the same thing that Bert does with his lyrics. I mean his lyrics are so deep and so so uh, not just quote like deep deep but I mean like there's so many meanings and parallel meanings and things to understand and dive deep into. And I, th- I feel the same way about the music of the record. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome to be given the space to, to do this stuff and not kind of be told what box to fit into. Like, ah, oh, this stuff isn't used enough or this stuff, like when I came up with Theosin, like they were like, ah, oh, this stuff isn't Theosin enough or this is, you know, um, it, it, it was never that way. It was just very open. It was awesome. Dude, yeah, we should do that at some point. We should do, totally just do a deep dive and actually like musical deep dive and go through each song. I mean, I know Pinfield touched on, you know, seven or eight songs, but it's a long record. Like it's got a lot of songs and, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, and you've, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a long record. And for being, you know, in two bands, essentially, I mean, you've worked with two fairly iconic vocalists. <laughs> in in multiple scenes. I mean, it's kind of crazy that the two bands you're in, I mean, uh, very different. I'm sure Bert differs from Anthony quite a bit on on how they write and how they, you know, everything that way. But you've been in, you know, some situations where you're, I mean, especially with the U's now where as big as you guys are, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of expectations when people heard that, okay, Justin's the guitar player now, Quinn's out and having to deliver. And I think he did a fucking bang up job dude and uh thanks man i mean i I think a lot of i'm experiencing i'm experiencing a lot of uh people being like well the record's a lot different than the old ones and it's like well yeah there's a you know i'm a different dude you know and and though though quinn and i kind of came up in the same type of genres and that type of thing um you know i really think I, I don't know. With with Seosin, um, it was a much more compartmentalized thing. You would write parts kind of separately, and Anthony would write his parts, especially for the new record. Anthony worked on the vocals all by himself over uh, on the East Coast, and it was kind of a more compartmentalized thing. With Bert and I, it was um, a much more, um, I mean, hands-on thing. We were in my house studio just kind of, going over stuff and, and bouncing stuff off each other. Like, um, there's a song called upper falls and, uh, I, I had this guitar riff kind of bridge thing and he came in with an idea. He was like, dude, why don't we go to like a major, like a major feeling chorus, something I would have, wouldn't have done. And, uh, it was the coolest thing. It was like a Elton John type of feel thing. And, um, and it was really cool. And it was so even writing music on that song with him was, was, was fucking awesome. And, you know, he, he would, we would inspire each other so much. Like we were working in pre-production for a part and we wanted a pre-chorus for a song and uh, he started singing something and I kind of did chords over it. And I don't know, it was just a really creatively fertile experience. If that makes any sense. No, it, it absolutely does. I remember seeing, a. um, um on YouTube, there's a, um, I forget what it was for, but you guys did over and over again, just you and Bert with an acoustic guitar. And it's got like a white background. You guys like walk through a curtain and then you just, you sit down and, and start playing. 
and it's just totally and like you said the word organic it was just raw and it was really cool to see the song broken down you know that simply to where it is just an acoustic guitar and vocals and and seeing that connection that you guys had and i i mean have you and i don't know i don't know the situation with quinn either taking hiatus and then leaving and i don't necessarily want to get into that either because i know that i mean it's stuff that can't really be talked about i'm sure and but have you gotten a chance since taking the reins to sit down with quinn and and either get his blessing or or just discuss kind of the dynamic or was that ever a thing with you guys since you guys had toured together before where hey man you know or, or even just giving him a call or or has that happened between you two well, I mean, not since it's become a permanent thing. Uh-huh. Um, not by not by design. I have I I really like Quinn, and I've only had good experiences with him. Um, so uh, you know, I, I hope he is uh, you know doesn't have any personal animosity or anything. But uh, you know, just like I mean, just like Phil playing uh, my parts. I don't. I don't. I've met Phil a couple times. I think, but I, I man, more power to him. He's a great guitar player. I'm, yeah. And I, I wish the best. I wish the best for him. So uh, I hope it's the same with Quinn. But of course, there's going to be feelings about you know your. Ba- I mean, just like Seosin. Seosin was my band for my entire life. Just like just like Quinn. So I understand the feelings. But uh, in the beginning, we did um, we did talk on the phone. Talked about some guitar parts um, at the very very beginning. And uh, and yeah, I mean, we've always got along. So. Um, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure he feels the same way. I just was curious if that was there, there was like a a passing of the torch moment, or like, hey, you know, um, you know, just meet up and and you know, just have a conversation or or anything like that. It was just kind of on my mind. I, um, you know, of course, because I mean, it's not like if he's not playing the songs still. I mean, he's still. I mean, he's on the publishing and everything else. So it's not like he's not, you know, getting anything for his work. But at the same time. It, you know, uh, that seemed like something that may or may not have happened. And, and, uh, so I was just curious on that. I mean, you've got such a, uh, a great road in front of you. I mean, if you can literally take it anywhere you want to go, which is really amazing for, you know, starting from, you know, with sales, I mean, you've been extremely lucky, uh, with the opportunities you've had. I think you've really, uh, you know, taken the ball and run with it and really made something, you know, out of these opportunities where a lot of people could have squandered them or, or, uh, you know, pissed them away. I think you've really capitalized on, on these opportunities and it's just such a, such a great thing to see, you know? Um, it's just, and like I said, well, I'm I mean, just totally proud. I mean, it's just so cool to see. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, with, yeah, I mean, I can only just say enough how supportive the, the guys in the band for, um, Jeff and Dan. I mean, they've they've all been so um, supportive, as well as fans. I mean, you know, like you never know when you have songs that you've kind of worked on for years and um, kind of had in the back of your mind, and then you show them to fans that have been expecting or listening to something else for the entirety of a band. You don't know what to expect, and you don't know. you know, I don't know. You just, it's a, it's like jumping into the unknown completely. So, um, I can just say thanks to 
like the people who have been supportive and haven't been judgmental and have been able to listen to the record as kind of a new, like a standalone piece of art and not just judge it against old stuff. And, uh, and yeah, like the used guys, like, I mean, Bert, I mean, he, he never listened to any of the songs. Like one of those songs I talked about was like uh pretty picture um, and the quiet war. Uh, I, I showed those guys uh, those songs to the Seosin guys. I think not really in a sense to like use them for Seosin, but I think I just showed them what I was working on, mm-hmm. and um, and it ended up like the bass player told me, "Wow, those just sound like the used." And uh, it, he kind of said it in a in a more negative way, but yeah. um, but now I mean I'm so thankful that the uh, you know the used and uh, you know Bert listened to him was like you know what I'll just write write vocals over him and uh, you know it was just so amazing to have the support I mean I've just never experienced it before so it's it's really uh, it's all went to the guys in the band and uh, and Sean the manager too just for being making me feel a part of it and not making me feel like I was stepping into some situation that had preconceived parameters that I had to fit into. I mean, they really let me be me, you know, it was amazing. That's, and you can't ask for anything more than that, man. That is, I mean, and Sean, yeah, Sean's fantastic. And, and I mean, the crew you guys have that's working for you. And, and I mean, the, from the publicist to, to Sean, I mean, just uh, amazing people and and so on top of things and and you kind of have to be to to you know have a band with that much success and keep it going and and uh you know and i mean the the other things you're doing i mean you do so many things i mean you're doing you know guitar lessons you're a pilot i mean it's crazy and going from skydiving to becoming a pilot and i mean you just have so many avenues it just seems like you you i mean uh, the same thing, the same thing I asked Bert, I want to ask you the same thing is, is when you, I mean, when you lay your head on that pillow at night, I mean, whether it be in the, the, the bus or at home, I mean, what goes through your head? I mean, do you think about and reflect on these things, uh, you know, often, or is it something where it's more when it's happening? I mean, the amount of reach you've had, the amount of influence you've had, the amount of lives you've saved just from writing songs. I mean, that part is crazy, but I mean, that, yeah, I, I mean, that is too, I mean, almost too much to, to handle thinking about like all of that. I mean, the fact that people can listen to music and, uh, you know, Bert's words are so incredible and touch so many people. And, um, and I hope the, the music and the feeling of the, the music can, can do a little of the same and touch people in some way. And, um, that's a, yeah, that's an overwhelming thing. And it's weird because before this tour, I haven't, you know, I, I didn't hear as much of that part of it as far as like your music has saved my life and that, that type of thing. And mm-hmm. as this record comes out, I'm hearing it more and more and it's, um, it's overwhelming. It's, it's, uh, but it's something we take really seriously. I mean, um, and I think it's not something we take for granted. Bert and I are, um, we talk a lot pretty openly about how we feel and what's going on and the world and people. And I mean, we talk a lot about a lot of stuff and, um, a lot of times it's about how amazing our situation is and the fact that we can keep touring and keep playing and in an, in a, 
climate where people don't really seem to care about music too much yet people are still coming to our shows uh, it's it's just really a an incredibly fortunate thing that we all that we all really understand so yeah. um and as far as like what I've done um like being a pilot or or, or learning music or, or or writing music or whatever like I talked about this with the ultimate guitar guys um for a while and dude if I could encourage anyone to do anything it's just to do stuff like you have so much time in the day and you have so much time between whatever you're doing for, you know, for a living, you know, a lot of people have a lot of free time that they don't realize they're wasting and they don't realize the abundance of resources that are at their fingertips, things they can learn on YouTube or things like Coursera, uh, which is like a free online, um, learning platform that gives you free access to like college lectures and college courses. You can learn about physics or science or music or history or politics. And you learn how to play the harmonica or the guitar, or you can learn about jazz or you can learn about photography or you can learn about, uh, piloting or you can, you know, I mean, I learned so much watching YouTube videos. My point is, is that everybody has so much time and there's nothing special about me. Um, everybody can do everything. Uh, it's just really them, you know, taking the initiative to, to go online and, and, and take value of those resources that we have. So we can all do it. We just need to do it. Sure. And I would, I would argue one point there and that's that there's nothing special about you and that, that I know, you know, there is, and and it's and it's it it's a couple things. It's the fact that you do do things. That's the main thing is that you do get out there and do things. You put things, you put yourself out there, and, and take anyone, take anyone, you know, that's a really good guitar player because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of really good guitar players that will never be seen, never be heard, and put them in the situation that hey, there's a massive band that you now need to be the guitar behind. And I guarantee you 99% of them would probably shy away in fear. And, I mean, little things like that, or it's not a little thing at all, but but that's just one thing in a, in a myriad of things that you've done that you take on and you go full bore and you, you make it work. And that's special. And the fact that you appreciate what you have, you can see it in your face, you can see it in your eyes when you're talking about it, how special it is to you. That's something not a lot of people have. And that's something that I don't think you can learn. It's something you either have or you don't. And that is, I think, truly special. And that's why I was so excited to do this episode with you because a lot of times, you know, uh, when you're doing stuff like this, like in an interview setting with a musician, they're interviewed so many times that it's not as genuine as you would think. And, and you know, it's like, oh, what are they going to ask next? Okay, next question, you know, I've got, okay, I've got dinner in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Where it's not as genuine. And I was so excited for this because I knew it would be. And it was. And, and uh, I mean, hearing you, you know, tell your story, you know, uh, it was everything that I thought it would be, you know, and, and, and just genuine conversation. And that alone is special. I mean, I remember these, every episode I've done so far, and, and this one is no different and, uh, you know, I think it's a gift, not only for me to be able to chat with, with, you know, old friends, catch up, 
hear these stories, but, you know, the listenership as well that write me every day that say, you know, specific things, what they really loved about, you know, different episodes or what people said and what inspired them. I think we're in a unique position, and you especially, to reach out to so many people and, and you don't take it for granted. And, you know, and I'm just so proud of what you've done. And, and uh, you know, I think I think you're in a really good spot. Well, thank you, man. Like I said, I, could, I can't sing the praises of the, the dudes that I'm in a band with, like Jeff and Dan. I, I mean, their work on the record. I mean, they're such fucking amazing players. And to play with those dudes every night is just so... Yeah, I'm the luckiest dude ever. It's just so fucking rad. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I thank you for everything you said. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're an incredible individual, Justin. And I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a pleasure to speak to you again. And, and I was so glad to see you on, on the bus and uh, it just brought everything back to me, you know, all these, all these memories and, and everything else. And, and uh, I really appreciate the time, man. And, and I know the listenership as will as well. And, and where can people find you? What do you have coming up? I mean, the year is almost over. The industry kind of shuts down. Everyone's probably back home. Um, but what do you guys have coming up in, in 2018 and, and where can people find you? Um, let's see next year. Uh, the band is doing a European tour. You're right. This year is, uh, we finished this year a couple days ago in San Diego. So we're just taking time off. And then we, uh, in February of 2018, we go to Europe and right now we're planning on figuring out another tour, maybe in the spring. And I know we're doing random kind of festivals, uh, in the springtime and summertime and, uh, just kind of the beginning of this cycle, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's all open and, you know, the climate of the industry right now, no one really knows how to, you know, how to do anything. So we're just (laughs) kind of going to do it all, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have great people kind of helping us decide what to, how to do things. Sean is just amazing. And everyone at Hopeless is just awesome. And the, uh, Dana is amazing. Our publicist and, uh, and, and I want to say also, you touched on how awesome our crew is. The crew that we have on, on the road is just the most incredible crew I've ever, I've ever seen. Um, Sean, our kind of house guy, Danny, our stage manager, Dave, our merch guy, um, Nate, the guy who did lights. Um, and we, we just have such an awesome crew. Sheep, the guy who tour managed us, we, I don't know. It's, um, we're just so fortunate to be able to work the, the business like, like a dream. You know, like we, 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 we have everyone that we love and we all work so well together. So it's just, it's just, we're so fortunate. So, um, yeah, if you can come out to a show, if I can come out to a show and, uh, you can find me on, uh, Instagram or, uh, you can email me or whatever. I have a website that's just justinshkoski.com. And my name on Instagram is the same thing. And uh, I I talk with a lot of people on Instagram. I exchange knowledge about the car and science, and I try to talk about science outreach as much as I can and do a myriad of other things like that. So um, so if anyone's interested in any stuff like that, music, science, uh, give me a call or, or message me on Instagram and we'll chat. Awesome. Awesome, dude. And the Canyon's out now, so if you haven't picked up the Canyon – by the used, go check it out. And uh, yes, sir. So awesome! I I really appreciate it, man. 
Thank you for having me, dude. You're awesome. Dude, thank you, man. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Justin Shikoski from The Used uh, and Seosin. I hope you guys found something you didn't know on this episode and got something out of his story. Just a fantastic, fascinating dude. I've really enjoyed these last two weeks uh, getting to you know put a spotlight on The Used, a band I've been into for a long time. And just a great group of guys. Really, they love their audience. They love their staff. Um, just genuine dudes, and and I really love seeing that, especially at their level and being you know so many albums in, um, you know, and same with the Seosin dudes. Uh, love those dudes as well, and uh, best of luck to them. And and I know uh, we went through some of the things that went down, and and you know, just a good group of dudes, and and sometimes things happen, and and uh, you know. It, you gotta you gotta take what you can from it and and move on and and I know that's what Justin's doing and and just an awesome dude. Glad to reconnect with him. Glad to bring his story to you guys. Hopefully you guys found something in that and and uh, as much as I did, you know I always find something new every one of these episodes. So check out rockabilia.com, check out Stumptown Coffee, and check out the PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We love having you guys week after week. We will continue to bring these to you week after week. We have some big stuff coming up in the next few uh, weeks and in the coming months. We're always planning way out. So getting stuff in line and getting the work done, uh, it takes a lot of work to get this show out. And I appreciate all the feedback and hearing those nice words. Uh, definitely make it worth doing uh, as well as getting the experience of, of learning these stories and bringing them to you and having you guys out there on all corners of the globe listening and writing in and keep doing so keep sending guest suggestions and keep positive guys we got a lot of shit going down the world this show is an escape for you it's an escape for me and we can just sit down and have a conversation with each other i think things would be a lot better i think there's a big problem with that now and and uh trying to bring it back with this show as small as we can you know hope to be in that change hopefully it does and hopefully it brings you a little bit of joy in your life every week and you keep sticking with us we will bring it to you every week as always and so without further ado we will see you on the radio Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.